Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen talking about the Reese's Senior Bowl. You're going to hear from assistant GM Rex Hogan, senior advisor Phil Savage and director of college scouting John Carr. They all three of those guys were a part of the 10 person contingency down in Mobile restricted rules throughout the course of the NFL throughout the course of the week in Mobile, Alabama but still an extremely beneficial one and an important one in the draft process. So it seems EA. Ethan, uh, can I just start here by saying it is groundhog day and the groundhog <laughs> did in fact see his shadow. So we got what six more weeks of winter and it does feel like groundhog day here in Florham park because we got blitzed with snow. <laughs> I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I thought I was seeing lake effect snow again coming a couple feet out here in florin park so the guys the jets contingent who went down to mobile alabama last weekend uh they came back and they had a lot of white stuff in store for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and down in mobile i we know from our experiences there that the weather is very unpredictable like you could wake up it could be 30 degrees and then by the time practice comes around it could be 65 and i believe it was Rex Hogan that said to you, like, hopefully it's a little warmer when he comes back up. Well, sorry to say, Rex, it did not get warmer. It, in fact, got a lot colder and you got doused with snow. Yeah, it was very interesting. Like, we're living in odd times or very unique times, I should say. Uh, we interviewed Phil Savage and he took the interview from his car, whereas opposed to You've been going to Mobile, Alabama for us the past couple years. I know I started, I don't know, maybe a little bit after 2010, probably in the 11, 12 range, where we decided we were going to go down there. And it was a good opportunity to not only, yeah, of course you want to speak to the prospects, but you want to speak to the Jets contingent and really mm -hmm. dive in on the scouting process because the calendar changes, right? Right around the time of the Super Bowl and between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl, you have the Senior Bowl every year. And what was different this year is each NFL team was only allowed to bring 10 representatives. And of course, we weren't down there with our cameras and we weren't interviewing people, but we took advantage of the virtual space again, uh, catching up with Phil Savage, Rex Hogan, John Carr, um, and those guys were tremendous with their time. But like you said, uh, very interesting because in the past, you'd always find out about informal interviews, what teams were talking to prospects, and you would see it out in front of you. Now everything was formal, where I believe the Jets and every NFL team had an opportunity to speak to 132 prospects in you know, at least 130 up to 140 prospects, but it was in a formal setting. And in between plexiglass, you had four Jets representatives on one side, four on the other, and two prospects simultaneously. The interviews mm -hmm. were taking place at the same time. The layout of the interview space is crazy to me. And what's even crazier is that this could be, I think it might be the only time that NFL teams will be able to interview prospects face-to-face -face because if you think about the combine, those rules have changed. Those interviews will be virtual. Typically, the combine is like speed dating, like for the, for the course of the week where you're 
you're ripping in players or coming in, you throw them on the board, you have, you have a plan. Now this is all going to be virtual, but I think the benefit in all this, maybe not the benefit, but the positive news is that each NFL team has experience doing this because of last season. Obviously there was a combine last year and then things turned virtual, but at least now you can game plan for a virtual process. And the only other in-person exposure, it seems, will be pro days for the prospects. Yeah, well, it really changed was going back to the fall. You'd have scouts on the road in a typical of fall. You'd have scouts who leave their houses on maybe a Sunday night. And, and, and then they go to various colleges and who, whatever region they covered until maybe a Thursday. And then sometimes they'd stay for a game and go to a game on the weekend. Well, there was no on-site visits at the colleges and the universities this year. The scouts got an opportunity to see some games, but as far as actually being in attendance for games, that was down. But on-site visits during the week, there was none of that this year. And that was an advantage, I think, of the Senior Bowl is that the guys had an opportunity to watch practice in front of them. Miami Dolphins and the Carolina Panthers staffs handled uh, the, the coaching chores down in Mobile, Alabama this week. But then they had an opportunity to actually sit down with the young prospect and look in their eyes and talk to them about different things and it's about systems, about skill sets, about uh, various maybe uh, red flags that they've seen on reports and stuff like that. So it's always different. You, you get that chance to talk to somebody in person and then you're all together too. If you really think about it, when's the last time the jet scouting staff was together? Well, at least you had eight, eight to 10 guys down there, jets representatives who uh, took in practice together, did the interviews and then, probably had an, uh, that chance to catch up as well. I'm sure that this was, Phil Savage said this in your interview. He said that this was the most prospects that he's interviewed in his course of being with the Jets at the Senior Bowl, being with any team. And then, of course, he was the executive director of the Senior Bowl. And what he said I found very fascinating that teams typically had about like 15 to 20 guys that they in a typical year would be like, you know what? I don't need to interview them. They're not really on our radar, but because this could be the first and the only exposure in person, at least in an interview setting to the players, they say, you know what? Let, bring them on down. Let's interview them all. Just so we have a little something on each individual player, because this could be the first and the only time for certain scouts to evaluate players in person throughout the course of the college football season and the pre-draft process, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah, the last, what is the last practices in the last game of the college season? The college season is now officially, it, it has its period. And the next step for these guys is going to be pro days because like you just mentioned, no combine. And for us, from a content perspective, everything's been so different. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, I want you to paint the scene of what, the primary hotel in Alabama, <laughs> Mobile, Alabama looks like a senior bowl week. Yeah, it is the who's who of the NFL. You walk into the Renaissance Hotel, there's an escalator directly to your left when you walk in. And then you go up. As you go up the escalator, you start to see what looks to be like a uh, just like a meeting, like a huge meeting. And 
there's players, agents, media, just walking around. You have your check-in desk if you if you want to get your credential or if you want to get your Reese's Senior Bowl notepad. And I'm, I would guess probably somewhere between two to 300 people at any given point are on that floor just conversing and, you know, may, maybe sharing rumors, sharing gossip, or trying to get to know each other, putting planting the seed for different teams in their ears. I mean, it is really a fascinating sight to see all the different aspects of football congregate and operate. Yeah, and these guys this year, we're talking to Rex, Phil, and John about this. They were tested every day. So talk about a changing dynamic. You get a COVID test in the morning. You're wearing the mask and stuff like that. So there's no, uh, oh, 200 people around each other on a floor anymore. It's that interview process. I think what they said in between around 645 at night and 1130, where Mm -hmm. they would talk to those prospects and you would have the dual interviews going on at the same time. Um, But yeah, for us, this is totally changed because I don't know how many years in a row I've been going to the combine. Well, that certainly is changing this year and you know it it just even in your time here ethan it's changed so much the media presence i mean there are thousands of people who are typically credentialed for the indianapolis combine and now that will no longer be i guess the ncaa tournament's taking uh, taking place in indianapolis this year but i think uh the nfl is going to have the various sites where you still can do the medical testing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the combine, as we know it for 2021, uh, no longer. All right. Well, let's hear from Rex Hogan, Phil Savage, and John Carr about the Reese's senior bowl and what lies ahead for this jet scouting department. Rex, just how different has the scouting process been this year? Uh, from the combines, uh, not even from the combine perspective or the senior bowl, but, just moving through the whole aspect of the of the fall has been, you know, significant challenge for all of us um, without having access to the, the campuses being, you know, some of the games you're not able to attend. Um, you know, our, our scouts haven't been able to get on campuses and, and get in front of the coaching staffs and support staff. So it's been a huge, huge change for us. Um, but our guys have done a really good job in terms of adapting to that. A lot of virtual calls for, for all of us that we have availability at each one of the schools and, and colleges and, and programs. So, you know, that, that's been an opportunity for us to, to really get more in-depth information that way. Um, but, you know, we're definitely missing out and not being able to be on campus and seeing practices and, and getting that much exposure compared to just what the games are. Yeah, the staff is typically all over the country throughout the year. How many of those visits were eliminated and how many games would you estimate that these guys were actually able to go out to and be there on site? Man, the, I can't give you the exact number off the top of my head, EA, but I know it's significantly less than, than what we've done in the past just because of the travel aspect. Guys uh, weren't as able to get on many flights and, and make the trip or make the commute to, to be able to go see the games. So, you know, there was nothing in the week to really set it up where they could go to make a couple school visits and then go to see a game. So significant reduction in terms of that and exposure. And I know I'll probably use that word frequently, but there's, you know, we've had a lot of a, a reduced number of, of exposure to, to players in terms of the practices and games and then face-to-face interaction with coaching staffs. 
you have a close knit staff there at the Jets. How have the guys responded to all these changes in terms of the preparation leading up to what could be the second virtual draft in NFL history? Yeah, they, they've been great. Now, we always talk about adapting, adjusting, and improvising on the move. That's what we have to do in, in scouting and, and player personnel in general. You know, thing, things happen, and we have to adjust to that and, and make the best of the situation. And, you know, our college scouts have done done a tremendous job with that and just being flexible and, and giving us, you know, the options to be able to, to make different or try to find different, you know, routes to be able to communicate with, with coaches or people on, on the staff, on staffs. <clears throat> around the country so yeah it's been it's been good our, our guys are great with that the pro guys have done a really good job in terms of being able to do advances um without you know a lot of exposure other than, than the tape from what they've seen so all right you've been rex listen you've been going to a lot of senior bowls how different was this week compared to what you had previously uh, previously experienced the biggest change of, of all of them, this is number 18 for me, and this is the most unique because of there's no opportunity to have informal interviews with players. So there's been minimal time. We have uh, the formal interviews are a whole new different you know, setup and system and how things have been done previously. So though, yeah, the lack of face-to-face -face interaction with these guys and the ability to, to talk to them and, and get to know them better has, has been you know, significantly reduced again. So um, we're adapting with it. We're, we're just doing what we can in, in terms of the, the format of, of the week. But, you know, Senior Bowl staff's done a great job of, of having everything logistically set up for us um, from, you know, from getting you know, no swabs and COVID tested early in the morning here um, just for the whole operation because anybody who's attended the game uh, yeah, has to <clears throat> or attended practices from the NFL has to get tested to it's a huge ordeal and, and process, but you know, just the, the reduction in the in the number of informal interviews that you can have has been significant. But uh, every night we we go and we interview from six forty five until eleven thirty, and you'll get uh, two players at the same time. You get thirty two guys throughout each night. Then you get coverage of, of every guy. You get at least fifteen minutes face to face with them. So if you're interviewing thirty two guys each night. How many are you able to actually talk to uh, throughout this week? And, and let me ask you, too, what is that setting like? Because we've heard you're interviewing guys actually through plexiglass. Uh, plexiglass. Yeah, it's exactly right. So, you know, there, there's 32, like I said, um, and you get two guys at each time. So it's a 40-foot area. That's Two tables are spread out. There's two 8-foot tables with a three foot tall plexiglass that divides the table. So there there's four of us on, on each side spread out. And then 20 feet away is another table that both these guys, these interviews are going simultaneously. So our group is split up four and four uh, to interview each, each one of the prospects simultaneously. So that, that's unique because you got some guys who, uh, who speak very loudly and some guys who are extremely quiet. So I had to stand up and, and, talk over the plexiglass a few times just to be able to hear guys and yeah, you know, the challenges of having to wear the masks while it's going on. And it can be a little frustrating too, because you can't hear guys and, or can't even read lips and responses. How did it impact you guys with some players opting out of the season and some teams, unfortunately having your schedule greatly reduced because of COVID? 
Well, I think for the players that opted out, you know, during before the season or even during the season, you know, we we had graded them last summer uh, ahead of the season anyway for our spring grades. And so we had information on virtually every player that did opt out for some of the opt outs to show up here in Mobile and, and practice. You know, we interviewed one young man whose entire season was canceled. He opted out, decided not to go back for 2021. But this event was the first time he's had on full pads in 13 months. So, you know, you've got to temper a little bit what you see here because these guys are just kind of working themselves back into football mode. And it's been a challenge for some of these players who did not play at all this season, whether they opted out or their school canceled their season or what have you. So that is a, a little bit of, of something from a from a scout side that you've got to manage in terms of your expectations for a Tuesday practice when a when a player hadn't even been on the field in over a year. You you've really got to take that into account. When this week is complete, what are the next steps in the college scouting process? Because typically we'd be targeting the combine. Now it seems like the sh- focus is going to shift to pro days. Yeah, I think Eric really in the in the immediacy after the senior bowl, of course, we'll go back and watch all the tape from these practices and fill in the blanks of things that you couldn't see live. And then of course the the junior list is now available. We know who all the juniors are that are entering the draft. So that'll be uh, some catch up on juniors that declared that maybe we didn't expect or ha- don't have a grade on yet. So we'll be doing that here over the next few weeks and then of course we have our first major round of meetings in the month of February ahead of what will be a, you know, a compromised combine uh, in terms of evaluations, the on the field uh, testing and all. There will be medicals of some kind, which is always the most important aspect of the combine. And then really after that, I would say probably from March for March 1st going forward, everyone will be building out the schedules for these pro days. And You know, we don't know yet if there's going to be some limitations in terms of which pro days we can go to, uh, you know, how many NFL people can attend those pro days. So that's going to be another work in progress over the month of March. And, of course, for for Joe Douglas and our coaching staff, trying to integrate them into uh, some of the college evaluations so that we can merge those two tracks between scouting and coaching by the time we really get to early April. Uh, ahead of the draft. So uh, there's a lot of work to be done. I think that our guys and our staff have done a ton of work. Uh, I know it's been totally different working from home in many, many respects, but at the same time, the volume of work has still been relatively the same because we've all continued to watch the tapes and do the Zoom calls and those sorts of things. We just haven't been able to do them on campus. What does it mean to you, Phil, and the rest of the scouts when you see the coaching staff changes, Robert Salah taking over, a new offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, he's going to implement a new system. Salah's talked about uh, handling, uh, the handing the defense over to Jeff Albrecht, but uh, a more traditional 4-3 front. So can you talk about the system changes that are on the horizon for this team and how it impacts the scouting staff? Yeah, I would say that that all of us over the next few weeks ahead of those uh, first meetings in the middle of February, we'll have to go back and maybe tweak some of our evaluations from the fall. Now, because of the experience I've had in, in being part of a 3-4 team and a 4-3 team, 
I've typically on the defensive side of things tried to kind of talk about a player fitting either or system because unfortunately in the NFL there are enough coaching changes that you know this happens unfortunately on a regular basis so I think you have to scout each individual defensive player for both schemes and in many ways whether you start in a 3-4 or a 4-3 ultimately everybody ends up in a in a four-man front with two linebackers and five defensive backs so that won't be as much of a change I do think though that the definition of what Robert Sala and Jeff Albrecht will bring to the table from a defensive standpoint will really help our scouting staff I've always felt like it was an easier projection to make from college to pro when you are running a 4-3 because most of the schools in college run four-man fronts. They have a couple of off-the-line linebackers, and they have five defensive backs on the field because the college game is a spread game. That's the style of defense that's being played. And so I think the transition is just a, a, a little bit – it's not as much of a guess – as it is in the 3-4. In the 3-4, you almost have to project every single player. Is he a nose? Is he a defensive end? Is he an outside backer? Is he an off-the-line linebacker? Uh, it can get more complicated. I, I think, I'm not going to say it simplifies, but I think it gives us more of a clear vision of what we really need in this 4-3 defense. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think our scouts are going to thrive and having some specific definitions in terms of what they're really looking for uh, in players on the defensive side of the ball. And then, you know, offensively, last year we had made somewhat of a shift to the wide zone run game. So I think everybody is comfortable with that. And then, you know, the, the next step is, you know, running backs, wide receivers. What's the, what's the flavor that this coaching staff is looking for? Because as we know, successful runners, successful receivers come in all shapes and sizes. Is sizes. It's just a matter of you like chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, what's your flavor? And that's really what we're going to have to figure out here over these next couple of months. When you go into the 2021 season, yeah, it was very tough for the scouts not being able to come to Florham Park for training camp. That's extremely hard because a lot of guys, they're used to structure in their life and being able to set a schedule. And now you have to change that where we couldn't see our team in person and then when, you know, the college uh, decided that, you know, when the NFL and NCAA decided that we cannot take visits on the school, you know, it, it changes things because now this is when you have to, you know, the world of Zoom and team Microsoft calls became a part of our life. And so you gather all the information with schools setting up Zoom calls where they have, you know, either their pro liaison and support staff talk about the players and, um, you know, then and then allowing us to go to the games was huge because now we can at least, you know, go to as many games if, if you feel comfortable. And that was something we gave our scouts. If you feel comfortable attending the game, uh, then go to the game to get the body types on the players. But uh, but you really have to rely on the years that you've spent in the scouting world as far as uh, developing relationships within schools where you can call certain people to get uh, critical information that, you know, Joe and uh, 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 Robert's going to need uh, as we make the decision on the type of player we're going to draft. Do you sense more of an urgency from the group of players who are down there this year, knowing that there is no formal combine this year? It will be a little bit different. And then all they have remaining after this is really pro days. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these young men, they, they I will say that practices were, were very competitive. Guys got after it because they know that, yeah, there won't be a, a combine. And then you also have to wonder if the pro days will go through. Uh, there's, there's, you know, depending on the states, you know, they might not allow them to have a pro day. And so, yes, this was critical for a lot of young men that were here, not only at this uh, all-star game, but the uh, the other three all-star games, the Tropical Bowl, the College Gridiron Showcase, and the Hula Bowl that took place this week as well. Uh, this is very critical for them to, to go out and, and, and you know, get verified measurements, uh, get a chance to speak with the uh, other teams in the league and, and um, you know, also show what they can do on the football field. You got a new head coach in Robert Sala and a couple of new coordinators. That means new systems. Jeff Albrecht, mm-hmm. defensive signal caller for the Jets coming up, and Mike LaFleur comes over from San Francisco. What does that mean to you guys as scouts as you get acclimated with the new staff and the systems they run? Well, the, the, the most important thing is that, you know, the vision that uh, Joe Douglas has for us is the type of players that we're looking for as far as, you know, tough, athletic guys that love the game that will impose their will on you each and every week. Uh, we're still looking for those type of guys that, that are smart, that, that are willing, they want to win. Uh, we're going to look for those critical factors that we we rate each and every week that we, we go through uh, each school that we visit, like, again, through Zoom or Team Microsoft. So that's that's important, but at the same time, as as we go through this process, we'll get a chance to meet with the coaching staff, and from a player description standpoint, you know what they're looking for, uh, what style of defense they're going to run, what style of offense they're going to run. Uh, we'll have that time to, to meet with them, especially with there being no combine. Uh, we'll have plenty of time, maybe in February or in March, to visit once Robert completes his coaching staff uh, as to you know the type of players that they're looking for. What's the next step for you guys after you leave Mobile, Alabama? Because I was talking to Phil Savage and Rex Hogan about it. You will have meetings again like you typically would, but again, it will be in the virtual reality. Yes, that's true. Uh, So right now, this next step is, you know, scouts now are allowed to to make phone calls, uh, to especially underclassmen. And so right now what the scouts are doing is they're, they're getting on the phones with some of these young men to, uh, do further uh, interviews uh, on these guys. If it's through a phone call or if we set it up through a uh, Zoom call, we obviously have to make sure that we're, we're reporting this to the to the league office as to what we're doing because uh, there are restrictions there. But we're doing that now. And then uh, mid-February, we will have uh, the scouts set up a, a, a team Microsoft where we'll just kind of really start introducing the uh, the draft class to to Joe. I mean, I know he's been really heavy into the pro side right now. And uh, now he's going to start hearing about uh, the college players. I'm curious to know, you know, maybe after the process, then, you know, without giving away state secrets is how, how do you evaluate properly certain players? And do you have to determine like this guy is a little more of a projection than this guy. And therefore, you know, with, with the jets draft capital, we either feel comfortable taking a guy like this or on the other side, it's like, well, we know who this guy is because he played. We saw the progression. Therefore, we'd like to take that player. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens between now, early February, and late April in the NFL draft. And we'll, we'll have you covered throughout the offseason. And, of course, free agency splits the difference here. So we'll be covering free agency. We'll be covering everything here on the well, official Jets pod. Real quickly, 
free agency schedule start on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Um, I, I wanted you to talk uh, briefly about uh, the draft coverage we started here and that you're working on with Dane Brugler, the athletics Dane Brugler, wonderfully talented dude who it, it happens to be a great guy, by the way. And also um, what's coming up on the site this week, because uh, we're talking process right now, but what happened in the senior bowl this week that caught Dane's eye? Give us a couple crumbs and then we'll go to okay. New York jets.com and, and a separate podcast for the big meal. So to your point, each week on New York jets.com between now and the draft, there's a, about a six minute video piece where Dane Brugler of the athletic breaks down this week, it's a senior bowl. And then, you, you know, we'll go position by position. And there's a couple of different things. Like whenever he puts out a mock draft, he'll go into detail on why he picked who he picked. And, you know, we'll take Twitter questions as well. And then there's a podcast form of it, which is a longer form of just the video piece. So it covers a little bit more in depth than what you would just see on New York jets.com. And then, for the senior bowl in particular, I mean, the, the one big guy that I think, and I'm saying big because that's a, that's kind of foreshadowing here. Are we going to Wisconsin? Yeah. Wisconsin whitewater guard slash center Quinn Miners, And what Dane said, and you can read the article that he put on the athletic and he talks about it on the podcast is that for Quinn Miners was originally not someone that was going to be a part of the senior bowl. Then Landon Dickerson, the Alabama center, who used to play at Florida State, tore his ACL. And that opened the door for Quinn Miners. And we've talked about this in the past. Players use or can use the Senior Bowl as a launching pad for their draft stock. And that's exactly what Miners did. We think about a small school guy, Wisconsin Whitewater. Last year, Dane said that he had about a grade somewhere between a six-round pick, a seventh-round pick, and some teams had him as priority free agents, undrafted free agents. And then after that, we saw Quinn Miners dominate this year or this week in the Senior Bowl. And now Dane said he's potentially a top 100 pick. So he basically took advantage of the opportunity. And now he's gone. He's made himself some money, no doubt about it. And that's just one of the guys that really showed out in Mobile. So, yeah, well, I'm excited for the podcast and also read about uh Dane's winners from the week. And you mentioned Alabama before I heard the quarterback from Alabama had a pretty good week as well. So Mac Jones is Dane didn't talk about Mac Jones on the podcast, but Mac Jones, I, I think was Dane was saying that or writing about how Mac Jones, he was interested to see what he looks like without having his weapons on the outside. Devonte Smith, Devonte Smith was in mobile, but he didn't participate in practice or the game. So without him, without Jalen Waddle, and what would he look like? And I think all signs showed that you know he looks like a pretty good quarterback. So I mean, today before we started recording, I saw a Twitter clip where Mac Jones was on Good Morning Football, and he was asked about potentially what his thoughts were going 15th overall to the Patriots because Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are friends. So not saying that's going to happen, but I think there's some, some steam there. I know Jim Nagy, the executive director was saying to Mac Jones, like this is your opportunity to put yourself in the conversation or at least leapfrog some of the guys after Trevor Lawrence, because none of those guys are seniors. So this is your opportunity to 
perform live in front of scouts. And I think that he all, all signs showed that he did a good job. Yeah. Well, yeah, for uh, plenty more on that, uh, get over to Ethan and Dane. But yeah, I just get back. I love it that the player of the week in Mobile, Alabama is a kid from Wisconsin, Whitewater. And he's a center, an interior player. Uh, With a crop top, too. You see, you see the crop top photos? Oh, yeah. It, it, it takes me back a few years ago to not that much of a small school because Pittsburgh is an ACC school. But Aaron <laughs> Donald, there was some buzz about Aaron Donald in Mobile, Alabama. I don't know if anybody could have predicted that he'd become the most dominant defensive player in football. But sometimes. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that that the smoke really starts coming out in mobile and you find out more about the players. It's just one step in the process. Dane did compare Quinn Miners to a current NFL center, small school guy went to the senior bowl. And then since was a mid to late round pick since turned into one of the NFL's best centers. And if you want to hear the answer, you got to tune back in on Thursday. And that's all we have. Yeah, a little plug, a little plug. That's all we have here on this edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. We'll be back next week. Like we said, EA and I break down all things offseason for the Jets. And of course, this week we heard from Rex Hogan, John Carr and Phil Savage from Mobile.